One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Let's Talk About from Style Canada. And let me tell you, we're talking. Let's face it, we talk a lot. We talk about things we love, hot topics, and anything in between. But what about the things we don't talk about? What about the things we want to know but don't know how to ask? Don't worry, we've got you covered. Let's expand our horizons. Let's talk about it. Hi, all, and welcome. This week, we're talking about aging with Dr. Daniel Levitin. Dr. Daniel is a professor of psychology at McGill University here in Canada and the author of five consecutive international best-selling books, including one we will dive a little deeper into today called Successful Aging. In addition to these bestsellers, he has published more than 100 scientific articles in leading journals, being credited for some of the fundamental discoveries about the nature of musical memory and other subjects relating to the connection between psychology and music. This makes sense as prior to being in the world of academia, Dr. Daniel was a record producer and engineer with artists such as Santana and Stevie Wonder. Dr. Daniel, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you have a very interesting background. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your time with Stevie Wonder and Santana and then how you got into talking about successful aging? Well, um, Santana was, uh, when I was uh, working as a, a fledgling producer in, uh, in San Francisco in the 80s, in the hair decade, um, <laughs> I was working in a studio called The Automat. It had three separate studios under one roof. Uh, Narda Michael Walden, when I first started there, was in there producing the first Whitney Houston album. For wow, then very own. cool. Uh, they, and as yet unknown Whitney Houston, Sandy Perlman was producing The Clash and Blue Oyster Cult down the hall. And in the middle, I was producing some new wave bands, including The Big Race and a um, bunch of bands you've never heard of. <laughs> and, um, Carlos and I used to have alternate schedules in that middle room. Uh, he'd come in at I'd come in at uh, 10 in the morning, work until six. He'd come in at six and work all night. And, you know, we got to know each other in the in the halls and, you know, in the parking space and such. And then at some point uh, when he was recording, uh, I was there and he asked me to come in. And my job at that point was just to sort of set up microphones and get him his tea and uh, make sure the incense was lit 
<laughs> and um, it led to an opportunity to do a little bit of editing on uh, uh, back in the days when you had two inch tape, uh, you know, a little bit of tape editing, not a major contribution. But the Carlos story was important in my life because there was a moment there while I was watching him play through the glass mm-hmm. and I got goosebumps, which was not unusual Nardi used to say, if you don't get goosebumps in the studio, you have no business being there. But I started wondering what's going on in my body. There's this this long haired hippie out there banging on a piece of wood with metal strung across it. And I'm having this visceral reaction. And that that kind of set me on an interesting path. And um, I actually ran into Carlos just a year and a half ago at a restaurant near my house. And uh, we, we talked about all that. It was it was great. So in this roundabout way, it kind of, I guess, led you into what was I feeling there and what's the psychology behind the music? So was was that kind of what what prompted the transition from music into uh, the world of psychology? Well, so this was 86 or so, 85 maybe. And um, so I started to think more about psychology and neuroscience and Sandy Perlman and I, guy down the hall, uh, were friends. And we drove down to Stanford and sat in on lectures on neuropsychology, which the professors allowed us to do. And <laughs> that kind of piqued my my interest. And then when the music business started to implode in the early 90s, a bunch of my friends and I who were at the studios decided we ought to have a plan B. Okay. We didn't know if we'd be able to make a living in music. Uh, and, and, you know, we were lucky, we were prescient because all of us who got a plan B are still doing okay. But I didn't stop producing. So I went back to college, got a bachelor's, got a doctorate, and all that time I'd produce you know, in my spare time and earn a little bit of extra money, lunch money and such. Mm-hmm. And in 1995, when I was just finishing up graduate school, Stevie Wonder called me on the phone. We had met. Wow. The, yeah. Well, we had met through the Grammy organization and um, uh, on which I had been a member of the Board of Governors. And uh, he just called me out of the blue. Mm-hmm. and said he was working on an album and he wanted my help. Uh, he felt that I knew his material and his sensibility very well and, and you know, wanted my, my ears on it, my production ears. And so I then had to go sheepishly to my doctoral advisor and ask for a couple of months off. <laughs> I'm guessing they gave it to you for that. <laughs> he did. Uh, it was Doug Hintzman at the University of Oregon. And it's interesting in a, in a kind of funny full circle, when I was a professor at McGill and training doctoral students, Susan Rogers, who had spent uh, most of her career uh, as Prince's main recording engineer, came to me in the middle of her doctoral studies and said that the bare naked ladies wanted her to produce their next album and would I give her a couple of months off? <laughs> So that got a yes as well, I'm guessing. Yes. <laughs> That's so interesting. It's funny how the universe works, right? And then how did you specifically start looking at age, the aging process? What what was the draw there? Well, thank you for asking that, Elise, because it's, you know, I, I, I have to say I, I'm somewhat atypical 
of an academic and a musician, music producer, a musician, and that I have never been very careerist. Okay. Um, I don't know why, but I mean, usually, <laughs> you know, the advice you would usually follow is there are these steps that you need to do if you want to have a career in this thing. You can't just do whatever you want. You know, you have to make decisions that will push your career. You know this from the 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 broadcast and media world. The classical advice is what what does you know, what decision do I make to push my career forward? I always just thought, what decision do I make to have the most fun? And so um when uh, well, that sounds a little bit self-interested. It, it was a combination of having the most fun and being able to reach the most people okay. uh, to 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 do something that will matter in people's lives. Mm-hmm. So with music, there was always this tension. This album will be fun to work on. Might not reach anybody. Uh, because it's a kind of narrow, thin slice. But on the other hand, it might. And this artist has a right to be heard. Um, on the other hand, you know, I had a couple of opportunities to work on records that uh, were going to be really huge hits, but I didn't think they'd be fun. And I didn't particularly want to uh, spend my time on this just for the money. That seemed silly. Uh, so... The aging book came about because my parents were approaching 80. And I thought, what can I do that will do them the most good? That's a great reason. <laughs> yeah. I realized they're not going to be, I don't know how long they're going to be around. What, what can I do for them? Uh, given that I'm a neuroscientist and that I have an interest in popularizing neuroscience. And I thought, well, I'll compile some information about what neuroscience says about how to approach, say, the third act. I could not find anything that was readable by the app. They're educated. They both have graduate degrees, but I couldn't find anything written for a non-scientific audience. And so I wrote the book myself uh, Mm -hmm. for them. And along the way, um, unexpectedly found that it had a lot of relevance to people in their 20s, so-called life hackers, that there's really a lot that we can say about improving your chances of aging well at any age or, or even just of, of working at your peak. Mm-hmm. And I want us to get into some of that today um, because I think it's it's all fascinating, the, the idea of aging. And something I don't know that we think about often right and it just kind of it happens to us right and we're all always we're all always aging and so i thought you know the title of your book is successful aging so what what does it mean to successfully age to you well to me success has this kind of funny connotation in the west to me successful aging isn't wealthy aging uh, or being the president of a company aging kind of a thing. But it's to me, successful aging is being able to immerse yourself in activities that you enjoy and derive pleasure from uh, do things that are meaningful to you and to others and engage with the people you love in as fully present and alert uh, a way as you can. Mm-hmm. And I think you talk about the lifespan and then the disease span, right? Is that right? So is it also about 
from what I took away, expanding that lifespan and that quality of that lifespan as much as we can. We can. Well, I think of it as the health span and the disease. The health span. span. Okay, sorry, I, I wasn't sure if I had that verbiage right. Yeah, no, that's right. So um, the, uh, I mean, the, the lifespan is sort of the the clock ticking. You know, how, how long do you have between when you're born and when you die? And it's you just read that on a calendar. That's your lifespan. But we can think of the lifespan as being subdivided, very broadly speaking, into a health span and a disease span. That is, most of us are born healthy, and except for an occasional broken leg or a flu or something. You know, we remain healthy. We might have medical setbacks along the way, but we, re, we have this long stretch of time where we're healthy, which is easily distinguishable from this period at the end of our lives where we're, we're sick and we die from whatever that sickness is. Unless, of course, you get hit by a bus or, you know, you die in your sleep and you weren't sick. But, you know, I'm talking about a, a cartoonish version of the lifespan as being divided up into the healthy part and the disease part. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a lot we there's not a lot we can do to increase the lifespan. There's a bit you cannot smoke, you cannot, uh, you know, engage in dangerous activities like playing with loaded guns and things. But. You know, setting that aside, lifestyle changes have just a little bit of an effect on lifespan. What we can have a big effect on is the health span. We can ensure that that's longer and that the disease span is shorter by following a set of healthy practices that has come down to us through medical science and neuroscience and that really comprise the larger part of the book. Now, I'm going to tell you what those are here in this podcast. And um, we'd love to hear about some of them. I know you talk about stress, sleep. We'd love to hear about the ins and outs of them. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, but I, I want to say, why is there a whole book on it if I can just say it in five minutes? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think the book probably dives a lot deeper. This is the the Coles notes, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know some some of the readers of the book said they they went right to the appendix, which has these ten tips, and they went, "This is ridiculous." You know, it, <laughs> these are obvious to me, but I, I know, and you know, I've devoted my life to education, Elise, and I've learned that people are more apt to do things if they understand why they're doing them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so the book is really about how this stuff works and why it works. And if you if you strip away the advice for the rest of the book, it can seem trivial and cliched even, but the the beauty is in the details, I think. I agree. I mean, I think for me, and maybe this is just more me as an individual, but I'm more likely to stick to a routine and let's just use meditation as an example, right? Um, I'm more likely to stick to my five minute meditation if I know why that is helpful, right? Like, and so maybe that's maybe certain types of people aren't interested in the why, but I'm definitely one of those that are interested in the why. (laughs) Well, a lot of people just say, tell me what to do. Yeah. And then they start doing it and then, you know, maybe they don't see a benefit right away. And so they stop doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. And what you talk a little bit about this, this idea of the three legged stool. Can you tell us more about that? Because I thought that was really interesting. You know, I'm I'm grateful to my wife for this. Uh, Heather Bortfeld, she's an eminent neuroscientist and she's uh, in the arm of the field called developmental cognitive neuroscience. So developmental meaning she mainly studies infants and children. Um, cognitive meaning information processing, neuroscience meaning in the brain. And she taught me that uh, her subfield rests on this three-legged stool, that the way we are in the world and the way we experience the world, the people that we become as children is governed by three factors, uh, genetics, mm-hmm experience and and culture so um genetics isn't a a blueprint it's more like a recipe that turns out a little bit different every time uh and there's um experience that 
you have throughout your life that shapes your brain and then your brain further shapes the kinds of experiences you'll be able to have. So if you have experience dribbling basketballs as a young kid, you develop neural structures for that and that makes you want to play more basketball and, you know, you get this feedback loop. And then there's culture, which is the cultural values you know, microculture of our family, uh, the culture of our religion, the culture of our country, Western culture, versus, you know, which is individualistic, Eastern, which is more communal. Um, uh, and these are culture is a profound factor in decisions you make as to whether you feel comfortable coming out as gay, whether you feel comfortable being sexy, whether you uh, are as a woman are willing to speak up in a room full of men. These are cultural conventions. Right. And to some degree, your genetics and your experience will inform how you react to these cultural conventions. That's why we have a counterculture. And that's why there are always people at the forefront of political movements who are trying to push the conversation forward to improve culture. Hmm. Is, is there to say, and I'm interested now, we need to have your wife on, I think another, another day too, if she, if she speaks about this, but is, is one of those stools more heavily weighed upon one of those legs of the stools more heavily weighed upon than the other, or are they all kind of, is that, do you not, can you not say that? Cause they're also intertwined. Well, think of a three-legged stool. If you take you one leg off them. or you make yeah. it shorter. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be a little wobbly, right? Yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> You're in constant communication with each other yeah. in your brain yeah. and your body. So they're interacting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you touched on a little bit earlier, some of the things that impact our aging process. Um, I know one of the things you've been doing is trying some new things. Can you talk, can you talk to us? Let's maybe start there. Let's start with trying some new things and how that kind of has an impact on us. Well, so when we're children, we're we're eminently curious. We uh, we we're attracted to new sights and sounds and new ideas. Teenagers are exploratory. There's a neurochemical system devoted to uh, rewarding us for exploration, uh, and teenagers have a lot of it. Uh, it's partly the dopamine system. Uh, dopamine shouldn't get all the credit, but of the hundred neurochemicals there are, we only have tools to study like seven or eight of them. So the seven or eight we talk about are really getting more attention than they ought to, particularly dopamine, but it's all we got for now. But there is this, let's just say there's a reward circuit that involves parts of the brain, such as the nucleus accumbens, other weirdly named things. And the long and short of it is we find exploration pleasurable. Uh, when we're younger. And that system, um, due to natural aging processes, rewards, rewards uh, new experience seeking less and less. We become more set in our ways. We don't want to go to a new restaurant. We want to go to the restaurant we would all give us a good meal. Don't want to try a new dish there. We always like the pasta primavera. Why experiment? <laughs> I'm laughing because this is me in a nutshell, but keep going. <laughs> it, it's it's a personality variable that sets in it, uh, among children. Some children are rather 
uh, fixed in their tastes or satisfied with, you know, happier perhaps because they're satisfied with what they've got. But inevitably, most of us will become more that way as we get older. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's healthy for the brain. It's neuroprotective to to try new things. It, it, anytime you learn something new or try something new, you're growing a new neural pathway or a set of new neural pathways. And those are neuroprotective. The more new uh, neural pathway formation you have, the better protected you are against the, the cognitive decline that inevitably accompanies aging. So much so that you might have Alzheimer's and not know it for 10 years because you've been engaging in these new experiences. All this long way around of saying that when I was first doing the research for this book around, you know, in my late 50s, I thought, well, all the neuroscientific advice is you got to push yourself outside your comfort zone. I don't mean like extreme physical activity, like climbing Everest, if you're not ready for it, but certainly out of your mental comfort zone. And so I thought, well, what can I do in my life to do new things, learn new things? I had learned French when I moved to Canada when I was 40. That was new. Impressive. Immersive. I could learn another language. That would be fun. It's uh, social. Uh I could learn to play another instrument, which actually I did just during the pandemic. I took up the uh, uh, both the mandolin and the ukulele. Oh, very cool. <laughs> which, which had always I'd always found very difficult. But I figured at the pandemic, I got to do something new. I got all yeah. this time that I'm not commuting. Yeah. But but the getting back to my when I was 57, I um. I decided to take flying lessons uh, because I'm scared of heights. Actually, I'm not scared of the heights per se. I'm scared of the falling part. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Uh, I don't like ladders. I don't like cleaning the leaves off the roof. I'd rather pay somebody $50 to do it for me. Um, And so thought, well, I'll take flying lessons. I knew pilots. My friend Livingston Taylor, the singer-songwriter, James's brother, he's a, a, a pilot with a lot of experience. My brother-in-law, Lee, is a pilot. And so I went to the Saint-Hubert Airport in, in, you know, in the Montreal area, and I qualified for my private pilot's license across 70 hours of flights. It was nerve-wracking and exhilarating, but taught me a whole bunch of eye-hand coordination skills and mental skills and bodily skills I didn't have. It pushed me way outside my comfort zone and I feel better for it. Well, there's a second thing I did, which is I've been immersed in music all this time and I'd always written songs since I was in my teenage years, really just for myself, not for anybody else. Uh, And I, I, I would say most of my friends are scientists and songwriters. And so we'd get around and we songwriters would share with each other what we're singing. You know, Ben Folds was over at the house a couple of years ago and he played me what he's doing. And I would go to Joni Mitchell's house regularly and she'd play me what she was working on. And 
She was always curious to hear what I was working on. And she liked my songs as they were. And I said, at one point, I kind of screwed up my courage. And I said, you know, I, I, when I'm in these songwriter circles, I feel like my songs aren't going over as well as those of the other songwriters. Not that I think I'll be a Ben Folds or a Feist or uh, anything like that, but, you know, I can improve. And so she mentored me. She didn't co-write, but she gave me advice about how to approach not the melodies and chords. She liked that, but the lyrics, how to make the lyrics connect better and how to sing them so that they would connect better. She actually gave me vocal lessons at her home up in uh, British Columbia. Wow. You can't beat that. No. And it was transformative because then I, after she gave me the, the emotional side of the lyrics and the, um, and the vocalizing, I took vocal lessons from a, 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 a vocal teacher. I went to a vocal trainer in addition. And then I worked more deliberately at my songwriting, not, not because I wanted to write a pop song. I just wanted to write a better song. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that, that would reach more people. And then at one point, uh, I was at Joni's house and she said, you know, when you're not here, I find myself humming these. You should record these. That's a compliment. Wow. And so I did. Uh, I put out an album in January 2020. I toured to support it. Joni came to one of the shows. I toured with Tom Brasso, a wonderful North Dakota singer-songwriter. Toured with Victor Wooten. Uh, premiered a couple of the songs with Roseanne Cash when we performed together. Uh, album came out in January. It's called Turn Around. And then... Um, even before it came out, before the lockdown, you know, because it takes a while to get an album actually produced, I recorded a second one. Uh, and uh, Joni likes that one even better. And <laughs> it's going to come out in uh, April or May. That's awesome. First one, it it was called, first one was called Turnaround. The new one is going to be called Sex and Math. I saw that title and I thought, what a fun, what a fun title, right? Well, you've, you've taken this learning a a new thing, trying new things to a whole other level (laughs) than I imagine some of us might, but yeah, very, very cool and interesting endeavors. Absolutely. For, for maybe those of us who aren't friends with Joni Mitchell is something like trying a new recipe just as effective or trying something, when we say trying something new, does it, does it have to be something that, you know, you mentioned your fear of heights. Does it have to challenge our fears or can it just be something, you know, that we're not used to doing? There's certainly an advantage in doing something new that you've never mm-hmm. done before. People often say, well, if I do crossword puzzles, will I beat Alzheimer's? And I say, well, it depends. If you never did crossword puzzles before, then start. If you've been doing them all along and it's pleasurable, go ahead, but you're not going to make your brain stronger. It's, it's all right. that. Right. So I mean, apart from tuning up your vocabulary a bit. Um, so the point of pushing yourself outside your comfort zone while doing something new is that it's a little bit stressful. Huh? And while chronic stress is bad for us, a dollop of stress is good for us. It pushes us. Mm-hmm. And 
Right. I mean, I live in this weird world where I I can I can get mentorship uh, from people like Joni and Rodney Crowell, who also helped me with the record. But um, I, you know, it's not like my I'm aspiring to or that my songs will be on the world stage at that level. Mm-hmm. I think the general principle, Elise, is that if we can, it's it's good to align yourself with some kind of a mentor or teacher, even a YouTube video. You know, I've been learning to play the ukulele by following the master class mm-hmm. uh, uh, class on it. I've been following Malcolm Gladwell's class on writing because I want to be a better writer. These are virtual, which I can do during the pandemic. Um I have a, a friend who lives down the street, actually. Uh, you may know him, the celebrity chef, Canadian Bob Bloomer. Okay. And um, he, you know, I, I, I want to know more about cooking. Bob comes over and cooks and shows me some things. He just wrote a great book um, that I recommend. Uh, if, if you don't have Bob there in your house to cook with you, I think uh, Flavor Bomb is is a really good way for you to push yourself outside your comfort zone because it focuses on the ingredients. It's not so much about the recipes, mm-hmm. but the ingredients. And really, like you mentioned, during this time of this past year, you know, there there's time to kind of look into these new hobbies. Is it is it fair to say, you know, because we haven't had a lot of newness in the past year or so has that would that have negatively contributed to the aging process i fear so yes yeah yeah okay um i want to get into sleep a little bit because i've personally been really interested in into what effects sleep has on us in our (laughs) try to stay awake for this dr daniel (laughs) Uh, can we talk a little bit about that because i know you talk you talk about memory really being dependent on sleep there's a new book out by the Canadian uh, Anthony Zadras at University of Montreal and Robert Stickgold at Harvard um, called When Brains Dream. And it's a fantastic account of the dreaming brain. And what we now recognize that we didn't for decades, centuries, is that one of the primary missions of sleep is to consolidate memories. A single night of disrupted sleep, especially when you're older, uh, can disrupt your memory for two weeks. Wow. (laughs) Good sleep hygiene is crucial um, at any age. The, The reality is in your 20s and 30s, you can get away with not having it. But it's a good habit to at least know what it is because you'll be more productive and and basically happier, a better mood. Um, if you follow good sleep hygiene and the long and short of it is you need eight hours of sleep. Most of us, uh, it's a myth that older people need, need less. There are a few people who get by on four and five, but that's biologically rare. And some people need 10. And, you know, my wife got me this Fitbit for my birthday and it does a reasonably good job of telling me how much sleep I'm getting at night, among other things. And if I'm in bed eight hours, I'm not asleep eight hours. Right. Uh, I might only be asleep seven or seven and a half. You need eight hours of sleep, not eight hours in bed. 
not eight hours lying there thinking of the problems of the world, right? <laughs> Do you have any tips and, and tricks? I, I think I read that you or listened that you kind of set, you stick to a bedtime and wait like a schedule in terms of your sleep. Is there, um, I guess probably picking up that book, it sounds like has a, has a wealth of information, but is there anything else in there like that you thought was a good takeaway? The basic things are sleep in a darkened room. That might mean getting blackout shades. Uh, my home in Montreal was, uh, you know, downtown, lots of city street lights and stuff. Uh, regular curtains didn't lock out the light and it was tricking my pineal gland into thinking it was daytime when it wasn't. So I got some blackout shades. You know, most of us in Montreal and most of us in Canada have double pane windows. I actually added a third pane so that I wouldn't hear the buses. Easy to do, just some caulk and plexiglass. Um, that deadened the sound. Quiet room, earplugs if, if you can't do that. Uh, going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time is is important for entraining your the neurochemical release of the hormones that help you drift off to sleep and the other hormones that help you wake up. Your body is, is a Republican. It's conservative. It, it does not like change. And uh, if you, if you, if you violate this, you're, you're not going to feel well and it'll impact your memory and your sleep. If you find yourself getting up a lot in the night to pee, well, don't drink anything two hours before you go to bed. Um, sleeping pills in almost every case are a bad idea. Okay. They knock you out. You feel like you're asleep, but it's not actually quality sleep. You're not going through the four stages of sleep properly. Uh, and alcohol, I'm not a prude, but... If you're, you know, some people take, well, I can't get to sleep. I'll have a couple of bourbons, you know. Again, that'll knock you out, but that's not sleep. That's something else. If you want to enjoy alcohol, do it around dinner time, not around bedtime. Okay. Does alcohol have an impact on the quality of sleep we get or? Yeah, it will, like a sleeping pill. It interferes it with like the, the natural. Pro- okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I didn't know that. So much great information that you've shared, and I appreciate appreciate you sharing that. Is there, to kind of close things off, I guess, is there anything that for maybe those that are in 30s, 40s and, below, and younger that should do differently than if you're in your 50s, 60s and older? Like, or are they all centered around stress, sleep, trying new things? Does it not matter what age you are? Well, it does. It 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 does. Uh, it does matter what age you are in that these things become more essential after the age of sixty. Right. Okay. Makes but sense. in your, you know, I've spoke. I, I've had the I've had the great pleasure and privilege of being able to take this book on an extensive tour of Canada and the U.S. and Europe and. Um, I keep running into people in their 20s, 30s who are life hacking. They're trying to figure out what they can do to get an edge. And so following good sleep hygiene, trying new things, trying to cope with stress, moving your body a bit every day, getting up off the the couch, um, full bodily movement, immersion in nature, 
All these things uh, will help you with peak performance and they help you at any age. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, it's it's um, I appreciate you taking the time to dive deeper into some of those and kind of explaining the science behind it, because you're right. It's it's things that, you know, make sense when you're told it. But what's the why behind it? Fascinating discussion. Really appreciate you taking the time, Dr. Daniel, to speak with us. Can you let us know? I know you where we can find you, whether it's through your music lens or or the psychology lens. Um, where can we find you on on your website, Instagram, social, etc.? On Twitter, I'm at Dan Levitin. On Instagram, I'm Daniel Levitin Official. I have a mailing list, a newsletter I send out about once a month on what's going on uh, that you can sign up for at daniellevitin.org, L-E-V-I-T-I-N. I've just started experimenting with Patreon, which is a subscription service. Yeah, yeah. Uh, founded by one of the members of Pomplamoose, uh, the the indie rock band. And um, Ben Folds is there and a, a couple of my friends are there. And the idea is that, yeah, I'm, I, I, through my newsletter, I tell people what's up, but I don't have the time to go into all of the, the new what's up. So Patreon's a subscription service where if you pay a, a small amount of money per month in different levels, you can see things like my, well, Patrons saw my Wall Street Journal review of that dreaming book two weeks before anyone else. They saw an interview I did with Joni Mitchell a month before anyone else. They they hear music I'm working on in advance. Um, and it also, you know, we have chat forums there. It allows for a, a connection. And um, then uh, also through daniellevitin.org, uh, there are links to hearing my music. It's all available for free. But you can also buy it just if you get in touch with me, if you want a physical object that's signed. That's always nice still nowadays, right? <laughs> Physicality. That's great. No, I'll have to, I haven't explored uh, Patreon on too much, but I'll have to dive a little deeper into that. Well, thank you, Dr. Daniel, so much for being here with us today. We're looking forward to continuing the conversation online and on our social platforms. And hopefully we'll, we'll speak with you more soon. Lots of interesting topics that you cover. Thank you, Elise. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for tuning into this conversation. We will have a brand new one on a brand new topic every Monday. If you were intrigued by anything in our conversation, we encourage you to talk about it. Tell a friend, post on social media, take action in your very own way. Subscribe to get the newest episode at your fingertips as soon as it drops. Until next time, check out Style Canada a disruptor in the media for its community of inquisitive style seekers. You can find us at style.ca or on social media. Just like this podcast, Style Canada is not just about style. It's about living a lifestyle that leaves people open to evolution and opportunity. This episode was hosted by Elise Gasparino, produced and edited by Alia Ballas. The music credit goes to Raspberry Music and was brought to you by Style Canada. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.